when we speak of the cessation of becoming, we explore that using an object like the the feelings of the breath, walking from A to B, these are emotionally unloaded, uncharged, simple natural objects. The more that we are able to know that flow of change, say the sensations of the breath or the, the feelings of the body walking along, with the mind not identified, the mind knowing the perceptions of walking, but it being fully clear, fully realized, that mind, that aware, awake, knowing quality, is not going anywhere. It's always here. It's the very center of experience itself, the center of experiencing. As we train the mind then with simple, natural, emotionally uncharged objects. Then we find that we can translate that same process, apply that same attitude to things that are emotionally charged. My memories, my feelings, my plans, my opinions, my happiness, my unhappiness, my judgments. It should be this way. It shouldn't be that way. That's wrong. That's right. The mind gives an emotional charge according to the the way it relates to those experiences, being praised, being criticized, comfort, discomfort. These are natural conditioning processes. Liking, disliking, pleasure, pain. We have natural instincts in relationship to those kind of experiences. So of course, there's an emotional charge. If it's pleasant, we like it. The mind moves towards it once more. If it's painful, it's disliking, the mind moves away, wants, wants it to stop, wants it to diminish. When the mind approves, that's right, that's good. There's a pleasant feeling. When it disapproves, that's wrong, shouldn't be that way. 
It's a painful mental feeling. But the principle of the cessation of becoming, or still flowing water, as Lumpur Chah would, would put it, applies in exactly the same way. Whether it's the feeling of the breath entering and leaving the body, the feeling of a, an approval arising and passing, disapproval arising and passing, It's exactly the same. The mind does not have to be identified with its objects. It can know them, be fully attuned to those objects, but without entanglement, without limitation, without being born into those objects, being praised, knowing it's a sweet taste arising and passing being criticized, knowing it's a bitter taste arising and passing. That which knows bitterness isn't bitter. That which knows agitation is not agitated. That which knows anger isn't angry. That which knows happiness isn't happy. That which knows excitement is not excited. Now this is more of a test because the, the habits of attachment and identification far more easily take root where there's emotional charge. Things are emotionally loaded. They seem more real. The sound of a bird or a passing plane is easy to let go of. Pain in my knee, the ache in my foot, that's much more real, that's personal. My conflict with that person, what's wrong with them? Seems real, substantial. There is something really wrong with them. They shouldn't be that way. Or praising someone, infatuated with someone. They're so good, so special. It seems real. That there really is that specialness inhabiting that other person, or that wrongness inhabiting that other person. But if we apply the practice directly, steadily, patiently, it's seen that even the most emotionally charged personal issues are just patterns of nature arising and passing away. We find the mind judging a person. They're wrong. They shouldn't be like that. You apply it to a cloud. That cloud is wrong shape. Shouldn't be that way. Or a tree. 
Your leaves are all wrong. Shouldn't be that way. You're in the wrong place. That branch is the wrong shape. It's ridiculous. Crazy. Yet we do that with each other all the time. I'm right. It should be this way. You're wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Feels so real. And then the thinking mind jumps in to provide backup, like a team of good lawyers, ready to make a case. The reason why I'm right is because A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And why you're wrong is because of X, Y, and Z. Proof. Evidence. Witnesses. I can back up every argument. Prove I'm right. You're wrong. If the mind is born into those judgments, with birth comes aging, suffering and death. Soka Parideva Dukkha Domina Upayasa. The degree to which the mind is born into its own rightness or wrongness, approving, disapproving, gaining, losing, praise and criticism. The degree to which it is born into anything is the exact degree of suffering, dukkha, that will be experienced. And the more emotionally loaded, the more personal, the more intense that dukkha will be. It's a direct relationship. Now when we apply the practice to emotion, opinion, judgment, you see it works in exactly the same way. Judgments arise and pass away. A wave of feeling arises and passes away. What is it that Buddhas know that unenlightened beings don't know? All that arises passes away and is not self. Now we're not trying to wipe out emotion, not trying to make the mind not feel, to be totally numb. It's liking, disliking. Sugar is still sweet. Praise is sweet. Criticism is still bitter. We're not just trying to emotionally flatten the mind. We feel, we relate, we participate. The heart is sensitive, but is not confused. Liking arises and passes away. That which knows it is not entangled, is not tied up with that arising and passing. It's not buying into that approval. Oh, wow! 
That's the wow feeling. Oh no! That's the oh no feeling. The heart feels it, but is unconfused by it, unlimited by it. The more that we can practice with our opinions, judgments, the more that we can get a perspective on our thoughts and not believe that bank of lawyers making their good cases to justify our fears and desires, loves and hates, approvals and disapprovals, then we find that we're much more able to harmonize with all things. When somebody else sees things differently, when this mind goes, yes, and someone else's mind goes, no, immediately we're able to recognize there's different perspectives. Because I call that cloud beautiful, someone else can call it ugly if they like. It's just a perspective. the more that this quality of unentangled participation or hands-on letting go, if you like, the more this attitude can be established, the more we're able to be fully at ease, fully responsive with life. The heart is not dependent on getting what it likes, being praised, being right. Doesn't fear being wrong, getting criticized, doesn't hate being rejected or disapproved of. It knows that, feels it, is unlimited by it, unthreatened by it. What enlightened, what enlightened beings know that unenlightened beings don't know, what Buddhas know, is knowing from this position, knowing from this perspective. So this is the happiness of the Buddha. Knowing the sweetness of success, the bitterness of failure. Being unconfused utterly at ease, fully aware that this is the, the nature of things, the natural pattern of things, just like the in-breath, the inspiration, the out-breath, the expiration. Of course, this is the natural pattern of things. The happiness of the Buddha is embodying that quality of vicha, full awareness, full attunement, full responsivity, totally attuned to the field of experience, to the world, but unlimited, not limited by the world, knowing the world, 
without being born into the world.